Well, good evening and welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And our topic tonight is <coughs> morality is not the answer. That's a strange thing coming from us. And you would think that was a, a strange statement for us to say, but um, the concept we're talking about here is worldly morality versus God's morality. Well, really? I, I was. Oh, that's well, that's where I was going. With. That that's was where I was you're thinking. going. Okay, yeah. but I'm thinking of morality in general, a moral life, moralism. I guess is how Eugene Peterson calls it, mm. in that you live a good life, and everything from the outside looks like you're living a Christian life, mm. but inside you might just be totally not believing, and you're not actually living a Christian life. You're just living a good life. But you could also live a moral life according to God's will. And that is on the inside out. Yes, they could. So moral, when we're talking about a moral life, I think there's two standards. Yeah. We're talking the world standards and God's Mm, standards. I see what you mean. Yeah. And then actually two lives could look exactly alike, Mm. but one would be living in faith and the other one would be living on merit. Like, I'm a good person, so I don't need to believe in Jesus. Mm. But... That Jesus isn't calling us to moralism or living a moral life. He's calling us to follow him. And there's a difference. It might look the same sometimes, but there is a difference. And I know you want to say something. I think the biggest difference you're talking about there, though, is is why. What's the motivation? Mm. Your motivation for morality, is it because you think you need to be a good person? Or is it because the love of God is in you to the point where that's the way you have to live? Or that's the way you want to live. You Both want the to same live. way. You have to live it. You have to live it if because you, are, you want to. If you are truly if you're truly following Christ and you are truly engaged with God and you are truly feeling God's love, there is no way that you cannot live in accordance with what God wants. Right, because that's what you want to do. Or even if there's part of you that doesn't want to do it, You'll be so convicted by the Holy Spirit, you've got to do it. So, I am going to... Romans, Romans 12, I just want oh, yeah. to read Go this ahead, one. go. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. In other words, if you are in step with the will of God, and you are seeking it, and mm-hmm. you are searching... The will of God, not the will of man, but the will of God. Then you will live what is good and acceptable and perfect. True. Because you're following what God wants. Okay, I have some. This is actually, if you attend our church and you attended Sunday school last week, this is from Sunday school. But we are studying the next few weeks Colossians. And I'm just going to read a couple quotes here. The Christians in the town of Colossae. For them, cosmic forces of one sort or another were getting equal billing with Jesus. Paul writes to them in an attempt to restore Jesus the Messiah to the center of their lives. Eugene Peterson. And now here's a quote from Jane Henricks. That's me. <clears throat> yeah, I think we got that. Go okay. <laughs> the main theme of Colossians is that Jesus is enough. We don't need to seek secret knowledge or make rules or do special things to be Christians and to become fully human. Just follow Jesus and learn from him. If we add anything 
like our own rules. We diminish Christ and are saying he is not enough to grow us in the faith. The Spirit cannot be fully realized in our lives if we're trying to do things our way. Hmm. I think that's really good because if you... The problem with... And I understand Christians, older Christians. They think, okay, we better tell young Christians they shouldn't do this and this and this because it's not a Christian way to do things. All right? Or I shouldn't say older Christians, but established Christians maybe have these rules they think you shouldn't do. And maybe you shouldn't do them, but that's not the point. But when you give people rules to do, their focus gets on the rules rather than Jesus. We need to trust people, trust the Holy Spirit within them to guide them. And we don't have to guide them. And it is understandable that people would come up with, with rules like yeah. that. And a lot of times it's it's well-meaning. Right. It's, it's always well-meaning, have, I think. People have the best of intentions yeah. in coming up with, with guidance in their mind. But it, when it becomes a doctrinal thing, when it becomes these are the rules that we set, um, if it wanders from the Bible because it's a man-made rule, mm-hmm. then it is, uh, it's a hindrance to you instead of a blessing. Yeah. Because you start, like you said, start focusing on the rules. And that's we see that all the way through the Gospels with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. They were so wrapped up in the rule of the law, the, the letter of the law, that they forgot the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of the law is what God thinks is best for us, what yeah. we need to do to be, to be the best we can be. But you, th- you see that also in, well, you see that in people, well, in Christians and non-Christians. First, there are people who are not Christians who think Christians should act a certain way. So if you do something right. that's contrary to what they think a Christian does, sure. they're like, ah. They'll call you out on that right away. Right. Of course. And then certain Christians think you should act this way or dress a certain way right. or people shouldn't do this or this or that. And, and it, you know, I've always felt when it comes to that, mm-hmm. if that is what you want to do in a way of, in a way of honoring God... And I am all in favor of that. Yeah. Then you do that. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel led to do what you do, mm-hmm. that does not mean that either one of us is wrong. That's true. It's what God wants for you. Yeah. And that is the individual thing. That's really you know, good. It all comes down to what Jesus said in Matthew here. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the greatest in the first commandment. Because people were always talking about the commandments because that is a huge part of the Judeo-Christian foundation is the Ten Commandments. Right. But Jesus said the first one is the first one. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And then that's the one related to God. And then everything else, he said, the second is, if you, if you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, and with all your mind, the blasphemy and, and profanity and all that stuff won't even come into it. So... The ones covering God, you shall have no other God before me. If you right. love God with all your heart, it's there. Right. Uh, don't use the Lord's name in vain. It's there. Right, right. Everything else falls under the second commandment. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. On these two commandments depend all the law. Right. If you love God and love people, you're going to do it all That's right. That's it. And, if, and like I said, for each of us, there may be slightly, di- slightly different ways of looking at things. Right. 
And it's what God tells you mm-hmm. is right or wrong. And that was that was the problem the Pharisees had with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. He did not follow the rule of the day, the rule of the time. Yeah, he didn't act like they did. Right. Well, and not even like they did. What they thought was right mm-hmm. was what was written down by mankind. Mm-hmm. They did not go... They did not go with God's will on this. They went with what they had written down. And and if you look into Jewish tradition, um, they have the Torah, which is the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. and they have some of the prophets. But the majority of the writing that they were studying was not that. Mm-hmm. They were studying the writings of, of rabbis. rabbis. Mm-hmm. And the rabbis were were esteemed people who had studied that and supposedly studied that and were translating it for people yeah. and telling them what God was thinking and what God was saying here. And then they got to the point where they were following the rabbi and not God. Mm. And when Jesus came and said, you know, I'm about my father's business. Yeah. And I didn't come to heal the healthy. I came to heal the, heal the sick. They didn't get that concept because yeah. it was contrary to the rabbinical law of the time. You know what bothers me? Hmm. Because it doesn't make sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The very end, before he was crucified, the the high priest says, I ask in the name of God Almighty or something, are you the Messiah? And Jesus answered. He told him, he, he said, yeah, I, I am. What did he expect the Messiah to say? So he never really gave Jesus a chance. He, he, ne- he didn't want... He didn't want- I, I know that was kind of a... He did not want the answer, but he was using the theatrical uh, yeah. style of the priesthood at that point. If he had thought about that. it, sure. the Messiah would have answered exactly sure. as Jesus did, because obviously Jesus is the Messiah. I want to read this. This is from Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, A Conversation in Spiritual Theology by Eugene H. Peterson. And this kind of, excuse me, goes to uh, what we're talking about, and he calls it moralism. And he says, The most common way that we in the Christian community have of avoiding or or marginalizing Jesus' death is by constructing a way of life that is safe and secure and guilt-free. The moment the moral life defines our way of life, we turn our backs on most of what is revealed in our scriptures refuse to admit the presence of God in what is happening around us, history, but worst of all, refuse to deal with the most significant thing we know about Jesus, having replaced the real Jesus with the crude, one-dimensional cardboard cutout. It amounts to a defiant denial of Jesus. What do you think about that? Hmm. So if we're just living empty, moral moral lives, we are. We're, we are living in our own strength. And someone from the outside will say, oh, they're such good Christians. And the thing is, I'm thinking about this today. I was thinking about this today, is that (coughs) if we are not into our word, if we're not reading a word, like Shannon does every Sunday, you got to read the word. If you don't like to read, listen to the word, but you have to have the word in you. Mm. But if you are not regularly getting the word into you, it will be really easy to you for you to fall into a religious life where you just look nice. And I agree with that, and that's something I say all the time, Yeah, I have a caution in that, too. Okay, go ahead. If reading the word 
becomes your doctrine. Well, that's true too. Then you are missing the point too, because that's true. the concept of reading the Word is listening to God. Yes, that's true. If you I agree. read to read, mm-hmm. if you memorize to memorize, um, there are a lot of theological professors out there that are not believers, mm-hmm. but they can quote chapter and verse yeah. just perfectly. If you're if you're not doing it because you're trying to speak with God, if you're not doing it because you want to spend that time with Him and you want to hear what He says, right? Then it's no better than not reading it at all, right? Right. But so when we yeah. do these things, we have to do these things with the intent of listening, and that oh, well, that's good. When listening. I when yeah. I when I tell someone to read the Word, what I'm wanting them to do is to hear the Word, mm. hear the Word of God, yeah, not the Word written down in your Bible. The Word of God. Mm-hmm. Because you can read things in your Bible and get nothing out of it. I, personally, for me, a lot of times I get into Leviticus or Numbers and I don't take much away from it. And I, I can read point. pages and pages and pages of that. Who begat who? And in my personal application, it means nothing to me right now. Right, right. But in the same token, I can pick up just one verse somewhere. And dwell on that verse and let that verse soak into me. And no, I did not read pages that day. But I got into one thing that grabbed a hold of me. That's why I love things like Proverbs mm-hmm. and Psalms so much. Because it's like, you know, you know when you, you get a song stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. Now sometimes you get a song stuck in your head and it's like the theme to Barney or Baby Don't Shark. Don't say that. Baby shark, baby shark. Oh, yeah. But that's not what <laughs> I'm talking about. When you get a song in your head, a lot of times, Sunday mornings, um, I'm always working on my sermon. And Jane will take a shower and do, every, do her whole routine. And then usually I take my shower and shave right before we go to church. And oftentimes you're playing piano. Mm-hmm. Just in case I play. And if there is a song that I really like that you play, it will stick in my head. Oh, that's good. And it good. will never leave. Because it's the, from the hymnal. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's just one of those things when a song gets in my head. It doesn't even have to be something from the hymnal. It could be, it could be any any other you know song. But when that song gets into me and I focus on that, and it, it changes the way I feel, it changes mm-hmm. the way I'm thinking, it changes my outlook on the world at Music that moment in time. Music is powerful. But in the same way... Psalms mm-hmm. and Proverbs, those kind of things, those short passages mm-hmm. can really change your outlook on, on your day. Yeah. And that's the key, I think, um, when I'm telling people to get into the Word. The key is you need to get that stuck in your head every mm. day. Yeah. Because once that's stuck in your head, then your decisions are based upon what you're hearing from God mm-hmm. and not from anything else. Yeah. So many times we try and find the right way to do things, but mm-hmm. we try and find it based on our own wisdom. And we, and if you are a believer, there's no way you can not say that you know that your wisdom is going to fall short. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that goes with what you just said is that, and there are a lot of books out there that do this, Christian books and whatever the other ones mm-hmm. are, but they give you a formula. And right. God is not... A formula. Right. I mean, there are books about this is how you pray, or this is how you read scripture, or this is how you have a quiet time, or this is the prayer you say when you're saved. Yeah, or, and none of that is necessarily so, wrong, but you don't have to do it that way. 
Well, and it's none of it is necessarily wrong, but we have to all go, always go back to the concept that what God wants is an individual relationship with yeah. us. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship mm-hmm. with me. He wants a relationship with us as individuals, not as a collective hive. We're not meant oh. to be like the Borg, where no, resistance, is, stand, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. No. You'll be... You'll be a mindless follower of whatever's in front of you. And sometimes as a as a pastor, I, I'm not going to say I worry about it because I don't worry about it, but sometimes I think about this concept of, you know, I'm standing up here on Sunday. But I don't want you to just believe it because I said it. Right. I want you to believe it because God said it. I want you to believe it because God said it to you. I want you to challenge me. I want you to challenge God, like like that I verse I just you. read. You know that. Yeah, but like that, <laughs> like that verse I just read, you know, through testing, go out yeah. and say, God, is this what you want? Is this what you mean? Mm-hmm. If it's not, show me what you really do mean. God wants us to go out there and seek depth yeah. because it's a relationship. Yeah. And if and you really different. have a relationship with a person, my relationship with you is different than, than Cheyenne's relationship with you or... Right. Or Velma's relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Relationships are different. Mm-hmm. Our relationships with each other are and always Cheyenne. different based upon who we are and right. who the person we're having that relationship with. So your relationship, your relationship with God is different than my relationship with God because you are a different person. Right. In that equation, God is always the same. You are a different person. So your relationship with him is going to link differently than my relationship is going to link. So when we talk about... Um, following what someone believes that's where we get lost yeah and paul ran into that paul ran into that with you know some say i follow paul some say i follow apollos uh, and paul says wait a minute no you're we're following jesus leave the rest of this stuff out of there mm-hmm. it, it's it's a common human problem that has always existed it's not always new even the first churches right people were no they weren't holier than we are they just were human and and but it, humans you know that cult of personality yeah oh. continues today when we look at yeah. um, some of the some of the leaders within the, the Christian church today we have um, mega church guys writing best selling books and people say oh he says this and he says this and he says this yeah. and if that person who is writing that book and leading that church is honest with his congregation. He will say, don't listen to me. Right. Listen to God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that really leads people astray. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it really leads those leaders astray because yeah. it goes from this is what God is saying to this is what I say God is saying to this is what I say to yeah. oh, we're all lost. Because we wandered away from God. Let me read something. This is from... This is a contemplative reading on Revelation 2 and 3. 2 and 3 is where he talks to the individual churches. Mm. Okay, so... I'm going to read a couple paragraphs. The churches in Revelation 2 and 3 show us that churches are not Victorian parlors where everything is always picked up and ready for guests. They are messy family rooms. Entering a person's house unexpectedly, we're sometimes met with a barrage of apologies, 
John doesn't apologize. Things are out of order, to be sure. But that's what happens to churches that are lived in. They're not showrooms. They're living rooms. And if these living rooms in them are sinners, and if the, I'm sorry, and if those living in them are sinners, they're going to be clothes scattered about, handprints on the woodwork, and mud on the carpets. There's no evidence in the pages of the New Testament that churches were ever much better or much worse than they are today. A random selection of seven churches in any century, including our own, would turn up something very much like the seven churches that John was attempting. What? In Revelation. Yep, to Mm -hmm. give pastoral advice to. For as long as Jesus insists on calling sinners and not the righteous to repentance, and there's no indication as of yet that he has changed his policy in that regard, churches are going to be an embarrassment to the fastidious and an affront to the upright. Mm. John sees them simply as lampstands, places where the light of Christ is shown. They themselves are not the light. Mm. Oh, let me read this last part too. A corrupt church still functions as a church. Dirty lampstands don't extinguish Christ's light. Of course, it's better that it be neither of these things, neither tarnished out of neglect nor polished out of vanity. It's better that it simply be there, inconspicuously receiving Hmm. and then self-consciously sharing the light of Christ. I thought that was good. Hmm. Just totally gone in a different direction than I thought it would, but I think that's wonderful. That's all right. It is wonderful. God takes it where he wants to take it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Romans 1, I'm going to start in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, Mm. his eternal power and divine nature have been been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Mm. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Mm. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped mm. and served created things rather than the Creator, mm. who is forever praised. Amen. Amen. I just and I just drop down again. This is um, Romans one thirty two. Yeah. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And that I think is one of one of the biggest issues going on in our world today. We know one. There are so many things going on in our world today that are wrong. Yeah. And we as individuals know they are wrong. Mm -hmm. But as long as there are a group of us being wrong together, we call it right. Yeah. Once you get a group together that is willing to sin equally, then you justify your sin. Yeah. And that is where I think all of us need to stop, stop and step back and take a look at our lives, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're at. Don't say, I'm like, or I am, or don't put a label on yourself. Other than the fact that you are a child of God, there should be no label on you whatsoever. Right. I agree. And step back and say, am I walking with God? Yeah. 
And if God convicts you that something in your life is stopping that, then you need to change that. Mm. Don't look around and say, I'm better than this person, or I'm as no. good as this person, mm-hmm. or I'm worse than this person, or I'm not equal to this person. None of those things are how we are we are meant to hold ourselves up. We are meant to hold ourselves up as children of God. And are we doing God's work and God's mission? Are we living the life God wants us to live? If we get that right, mm-hmm. the morality is there. Right. I said something in church Sunday that may have shocked some people. Um, and I really don't care because if they don't like it, then that's then we'll deal with that too. But I said I don't care if you're coming from the bar and walking to the church. Oh, right, right. I don't that. care what you did last night. Mm-hmm. I don't care about anything other than the fact that you come and see Jesus. I don't really care about your life. So many people say, oh, i got to fix things first. No, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. And if you think you have it all together, come meet Jesus. He'll fix that too. <laughs> because you don't. There's no way that we can. As human beings, we are always going to fail. It's always going to happen. We are always going to fall short. Without God, there's no way that we can, we can do this. You know what? Here's the deal Uh-oh. for anybody listening. Uh-oh, here's the deal. You just got to surrender to Jesus. It's not bad. It's so good. He has so much for you, and He loves you, and He knows you better than you know yourself. And if you are confused about who you are, you just go to Him, and He will help you find out. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, okay. "There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death." Oh, so many times, yeah. From a human perspective, we think we've got it figured out. Through our own intellect, through our own experience, yeah. through uh, through our own wisdom, mm-hmm. I'm smart enough to figure this out, or I have experienced something similar to this in the past, so I know what's going to happen. And we do so much damage to ourselves yeah. if we rely on our own understanding. We're not, spo- we're, we're not meant to rely on our own understanding. No. Or... We also can do so much damage to others yeah. by dictating what their relationship with God is meant to be. And so much of this, so much of these concepts we're talking about right now are contrary to what you, what you may think of Christianity if you're on the outside looking in. And that's Christianity's fault. That's our fault. Yeah. As believers, we have led people astray either into thinking that um, we have a high moral standard or something else. Our standard is God's standard, period. And our standard individually should be God's individual standard in your life, period. And if that was how we were living our faith, the confusion would fade. It doesn't matter what you wear when you walk into the church. God doesn't want you to stop and wash up before you see him. He wants to see you. There's an urgency to that in our lives. There's an urgency in, mm-hmm. in God's eyes for us. There's an urgency because the sooner we are with him, the sooner we can walk with him, the sooner we are relieved from the burdens of the world because we are with God. Yeah. God wants you there. If you are dirty, come to him. You will be cleaned. Yeah. If you are a sinner, come to him. We are all sinners. Mm-hmm. Come to God, and he will, through the blood of his Son, cleanse you. 
God does not want you to wait for anything. And he does not want you to qualify or quantify yourself as saying, I am worthy, I am not worthy. The fact that God sent his son to die for you means you are worthy. Mm-hmm. That is it. Through him you're worthy. Without right. him, none of us are. No, but you were worthy of the sacrifice. Yeah, he sent. he loves you. He sent his son because he wants you, yeah. period. You are worthy of God's love because God says, I love you. Yeah. That's all you need to know on that. Mm-hmm. Now, is the way you're living your life now harmful to yourself, to others? Is it contrary to what God would really want you to do in your life? That's something you got to figure out with God. Yeah. And he will help you with that if you're honest and open and you listen to his word. But don't think that there is ever a set of rules or a book you can follow outside of the word of God that will tell you exactly what you need to do or what you yeah. need to be. Just you cannot down. you cannot live any kind of life that is beneficial for you and for those around you and especially for your salvation without God being the biggest part of that equation. Just fall down in front of God and let him hold you. And you're a really good preacher. You <laughs> preach. Base that, base your relationship on God mm-hmm. upon what God tells you. Yeah. And God says, test me in this. So go to the Word. Go to the Word and read it and look at it and say, God, what do you mean? There are so many resources you can do to, use to do that, but God loves that curious mind in us. Yeah, He, he gave put it to that us. to us. Yeah. Yes, He gave us that mind. It wants to seek knowledge. And the only true knowledge that's worth seeking is the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Because, like it says in some of these passages I've read, people began to worship the creation instead of the creator. Yeah, Romans 1. You can be so knowledgeable about creation, but if you have no knowledge of the creator, you are, you are ignorant. Mm-hmm. Why study the creation without looking to the creator. If you really, if I see someone who does something, our friend Wayne Hartz brought a beautiful wood carving in Sunday, a very unique one. Yeah, it was unique. And when he showed it to me the first time, I got a sneak preview over everybody. When he showed it to me the first time, I said, you know what that makes me want to do? What? And. You didn't tell me this. I don't know. No, but I asked Wayne, I said, you know what that makes me want to do? I said, I want to sit down with a glass of iced tea on a shady porch and talk to the man who created this. Hmm. I want to talk to the creator of this object. Mm-hmm. I love the object, mm-hmm. but I really want to see the hands that did it. Yeah, that was amazing. And the Bible tells us here that since the beginning of time, God's creation has been visual, visible to all of us so that none may, be, none, may be, none may claim that there is no God. Right. So you look outside and you see the sunrise and the sunsets and the and the babies and the and and the flowers and the the colors and the the warmth and the beauty and all the things that were created in the world the power of the ocean the majesty of the mountains you see all of those things and they are wonderful but wouldn't it be even better to sit down and talk to the hands that created it and that's God yeah that's the life that you were meant to live. That's a good ending. It is. And you're a good preacher. You, you preach. You talk a lot. 
I'm sorry. No, no, no. I it's talk too much. Thing. I apologize. No, no, no. It's a All good. Right. It's a good well, talk. Okay. I hope this. I hope this is something that you you found of interest. And really, what I hope this does is drive you closer and closer to building your own relationship. Hey, and if you're close to us, you know where we are at. We're in Dupree. You can come to church 9 a.m. Mountain Time, and yeah. that is a. That is the invitation from the me doors to are you. open both physically and, and yep, and also on Facebook. Come and and see also, us. wait, wait, we have a. Uh, I want to tell you one thing. Watch the Chosen. Oh, we've been it's watching really good. that. It's a great series. So. It's it, watch. Maybe it. we'll talk about that another time. Okay, just that. So. Just watch it. Okay, right. bye. God bless.